we've been continuously trying to figure this out ourselves and we're going to share that with you on this show. Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Miranda Pierce. And this week, we're going into the business side of things with the question we all love to hate, how much for one meal? There's a lot more to this question than you suspect, and hopefully you're going to learn a lot from this video. I think the reason that clinicians hate that is because it makes you feel a bit, a bit vulnerable, like that's all you are, is the price of one meal of filler. And also you think, oh God, like, how can I even come back with a sensible answer it just mm. it feels it's empowering well you you are exactly you're immediately being compared only on price and that we all intuitively know that we're much more than just the price of the product and uh, but this is this is where it's so important to understand because you have a, the mindset of your clients if they if they think that there's some educating to, to do about what the differences are and what you're actually able to do for your clients but also it may say something about the way you're communicating already on your social media if that's the main question that you're getting back so trying to get understand the mindset of your patient when they ask that question is where all the gold is and then does that mean are we gonna are you gonna deliver us some killer lines that are gonna really help us to actually come well, back pressures on yeah okay <laughs> Now, something that you guys might may not know that Miranda and I set up Skin Viva, the clinic, um, by ourselves, and we have been through this just like you guys are at different stages in your in your career from scratch, from the first client who ever messaged us all the way through to seeing you know around about five thousand a year that we do in the clinic. Um, so we've learned a lot along this process. And Miranda used to manage customer services, and so you've had these messages coming in, also thousands of them, and we've been continuously trying to figure this out ourselves, and we're going to share that with you on this show. Okay, but I think that's so not the pressure. Isn't just on me. You've got to okay. you've got to share some of your wisdom. Happy to help. I think that it starts with mindset, though, doesn't it? Because actually, when I used to get that question, to be honest, in the early days, I didn't necessarily believe all that much in us. Not because I didn't think we were good, but just because we were at the beginning. Yeah. And so I thought it it made me think. Well, yeah, the person next door is charging ten pound less, and obviously the customer will go there. So I just felt a bit depleted. Yeah, so there's something about being in touch with the value that you're actually creating. And um, I'll, I'll give you a good story that made me really aware of this was, was the time I, you've heard the story many times, but when I was shopping for tires. So I had been driving around in Manchester, I was on the M60, and my car had a blowout. I had my three-month-old son in the back of the car, and the, the tire obviously came off on the road. Very scary. I was doing 80 miles an hour or 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour. 80 miles an hour. And, um, and, and, and I was really shaken up by that much more than I would have been as a single man, you know, because I had my baby in the car with me. Now, when I went to go and get that tire replaced, I had this interesting situation where I went up and ordered a tire and they started trying to fix the, the tire almost. It was strange because I remember they, they kind of already had the car on the ramp and they were taking the wheel off almost before I'd, um, I'd even spoken to them. And then I asked them how much and the guy came back with a slip of paper with four prices written on it. And in, and there were different brand names and different numbers on for each tire. And that was the, that was how I got consulted effectively, which was there were four tires with four different prices. And I looked at these different prices and I immediately just chose the cheapest one because I had nothing else to go on. And as I was sitting in there waiting for them to replace that car, I suddenly I suddenly started to, to feel anxious because I didn't know what this tire was they were fitting because... The thing, the need I was really trying to meet in buying that tire was actually about protecting my son. It wasn't about 
trying to find the cheapest tire. But that conversation was never had. If if I'd had the chance to buy a tire that was less likely to uh, to blow out and it was 50 pounds more, I would have had that tire because that was my real reason for attending as I wanted much more than just mobility. Um, and I never had that conversation. That's why it didn't feel nice to me. And the guy who who sold me the tire also didn't know about the difference of the, the different tires. He didn't know about the value of the engineering of tires. And there actually is a ton of value in tires, but that's for another show. Um, the point is, you must get into the head of your customer to figure out what's valuable to them. And then you'll suddenly realize it's not just about how much because they have a lot of other questions on the other side of how much that we need to understand and talk to those real needs, not just the superficial ones. My my brain immediately goes to, though, thinking about people watching this. It's cool to know what they want, but can I provide that? Can I really? Am I really that good? And so is there something as well about analysing and getting clear on what value we bring? Absolutely. So this can happen by accident. So you can, this is what happened to me, to be honest, is I started out feeling pretty much like a zero in the sector, like most people do. And then hearing back from my clients, the things that I was doing differently. So just a basic consultation, people would say, you know, you really listen to me. And, and I thought, surely everyone's listening to their clients. <laughs> well, no, they're not. So um, you, you should listen to what your clients say back to you. You should also ask yourself, what are your values? Because I know a lot of the people that we talk to in our audience will go to the end of the earth for their clients if there's something wrong. They will lose sleep. They will get up at one in the morning. Now, you probably aren't factoring that as one of your one of the things that's valuable about you, but it absolutely is. And we're going to come on to this later on the show about all the different skill sets it takes to do a good consultation and treatment and how many of them you are able to put a value on. Because f- for me, that's the bit that will make you confident to say what you're worth because you're all absolutely worth more than one mill of product. There's actually no one in the sector who is just a commodity. We are all performing a service and we are all taking responsibility and this needs to be built in and it also needs to be taught to patients. So let's look at the patients. What are they? Why do they just ask how much? So I suspect it's partly our own doing. I think if we've been communicating, you know, a great before and after picture and then putting a price for that for that procedure, you make people feel like, okay, it's just a standard procedure and it's per mil. So I just need to find out how many mils I need and I'll get the result that I want. Now, that that's obviously, it's good because marketing is better if it's simple in some ways. But unfortunately, there's a massive downside, which is effectively you 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 teach your clients that this is just an off-the-shelf thing, mm-hmm. that anyone who's got five mils or two mils or one mil can do the same result. And we all know in the sector that's absolutely not the case. You know, there's tons of training and guidance and we're we're all actually, if you actually think about the full process that we provide to our clients, we are psychologists, we are teachers, we are um, anatomists, we're clinicians, we're trying to guide, get the perfect treatment design for someone's overall well-being. That's what a healthcare professional has to do. Artists and sculpts as well. As well. Yes, that was on my list on the page, but I forgot to read it out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's what I think about. When I think about you, that's, that's probably one of the things that comes to my mind. I think the, the things that you bring most are your amazing consultation skills, the ability to draw out their needs and then deliver that back to them. And then also your sculpting, which is just, you know, and people might be thinking, well, I'm not a sculptor, but actually you probably are. It's just that you don't know that you haven't gone there yet. Anyway. Yeah. Every, everyone's on a journey. The point is you, you've got to put a value on those things, whatever they may be. And, and actually everyone is, is trying to do the same thing. We're all at different points on the journey, but 
uh, but all of those things have a value that's way beyond the mill. And that that's the thing for each one, each person listening, you've got to think about yourself in those holistic terms, because actually your patients really do value that, which means they actually are happy to pay for it. Even if they ask you how much, they're also unconsciously making a decision about who they feel comfortable with and who they trust and who's got a good portfolio and, uh, you know, or, or who's using good products and who's who's helped them make the decision in a way that felt unpressured. You know, all of these things have value that you're oblivious of because you only see it from from almost the margins that you're charging. And there's and that can be a big mistake for a good clinician who undercharges uh, and also for a good clinician who hasn't isn't in touch with all the value that they bring. You feel awful when you're when you're basically brought down to the level of of a, a vending machine in terms of your pricing structure. But also I think you feel awful, but also you you feel a bit like you've got a guilty secret. When you first start, you feel like there's a guilty secret that you're doing you're creating this mass, massive markup. But actually you need to be in touch just for yourself. You wouldn't put this in your marketing, but you need to be in touch with all your real costs. Like the time to do your marketing, uh, the insurance, you know, the, all the other things that you, the costs that you have. It's, it's definitely not just the price of the mill. You know, you, you can't, don't feel like you've got a guilty secret. Like these people are paying for something that they cannot provide for themselves or else why they're coming to you as, as a skilled clinician. You should feel worthy. Absolutely. And, and there are very few clinicians who are making millions of pounds a year. Like mm. this is not, this is kind of, this is within the realm of any professional role. So it sometimes feels when you first start like a huge markup. I, rem- I remember having this feeling mm, of, I you do. know, I'd be with a client for half an hour and I could generate 600 pounds. And I felt, wow, this is this is incredible. But what I was failing to take into account is we had spent three months building up to getting that client to come to our clinic. You know, we'd been, we'd been talking to salon owners, we'd been producing leaflets, we'd been posting on social media, all the stuff that you do. And also that half an hour was not my commitment to them. My commitment was anything that goes wrong from that day forth that's related to that treatment. I will also look after you. Most most clinicians in our sector provide aftercare free of charge and their patients are often not aware of that. They think I'm paying for a meal, but if something goes wrong with that meal, that clinician will see you as many times as it takes until they've done everything they can to get you back to where you started to protect you from any of these complications which are par for the course. Um, and that is built in and often not appreciated, I think, because we don't communicate it well enough. How can we communicate it, though? Because one of the uh, the blockers I used to have in my mind was if I say out loud, we are good because we'll look after you and we will, you know, if you have if something goes wrong, you almost don't want to say that out loud in case the customers think, what, something might go wrong. Yeah, I mean, I suggest you you build it in a, in a positive way. So um, I've always I always quote in my consent process. I always say aftercare is included in the price, and it's it's also very valuable that you say that because you will have patients if they think they're paying for a meal and say there's a complication, like they react to the product and then you reverse it, they'll often ask for a refund, not realizing that what they've had is a seamless process where you've managed the risk for them to get them back to where they started, and it's cost you three hours of your time and and the product cost and your clinic. In costs and all of that has been built into what they paid so it's really important that you make them aware of it at least in the consultation that that you you're you're more than just the miller filler so and this is where great consultations all pay off if you if you if you're basically doing a vending machine style consultation you are on the back foot already if someone walks in and says i want to mill my lips and you say that's whatever 150 pounds and then you do the treatment without really talking to them 
tweaking that design for that treatment, explaining to them the different options, delivering a good result, and then and also incorporating in your communication that you're going to look after them if anything unexpected happens, then you're already giving the sense that what they're paying for is the mill. And actually they're not. They should be paying for the service and the safety that you provide. And actually they are, but we I think if you if you have this problem, you're probably not communicated it properly yet. And actually you mentioned earlier that people off their own back said to you that you were doing extra things they hadn't experienced elsewhere. But a great tip is actually just to ask people, oh, why, you know, what what have you found valuable with it? You could even say, a mentor has asked me to ask all of my customers, you know, what do you like about me? So it doesn't seem weird. And then take it all down and they will they will reflect back to you what you're doing over and above the one mil price. Yeah. And it, and it will all boil down to the things, a lot of your value is actually stuff you can't charge for, like really caring for your patients. How, what do you put a, how do you put a price on the fact that you will respond to them late at night, that you will um, care for complications, that you, you have a network of clinicians who will support you if you were ever in a situation you didn't understand? Wh- whatever it is that you provide, you, these are not things that you can put on a price list, but they are included. So it's about having those conversations, getting in touch with that yourself, um, and then in your marketing, teaching your clients about all the things that you're happy to do for them that's included, that you actually want to do. There, there are no clinicians I'm aware of who look forward to a complication so that they can charge their patients extra money to solve it. Now, that does happen. Um, and it's it's actually reasonable that it happens in many ways because some complications can be very expensive. But the, the norm is actually that we build it into the price. And if you're doing that, you should make your patients aware of it. Mm. I mean, it sounds crazy, but many of the uh, less than scrupulous practitioners out there, I'd say probably not medics, do this thing of ghosting. So w- when something goes wrong, they're just like, see ya, because they know they can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And they just they just block that person. Again, you know, it sounds wild and a customer probably would never think of that. But it's like, yeah, I really won't ghost you because I have to answer to the NMC. And so I'm going to be here for you looking after your well-being, which is my raison d'etre. Absolutely. And also it's, I think it's almost taken for granted, but they, they're, they're unaware that this is, this is not actually something that, um, you get everywhere that you go. You, you need to say it out loud. It's worth remembering, actually, if you, if you take one thing from this is this idea that a lot of the stuff that you think everyone should expect is actually extra. You haven't, you haven't quite understood it yet, your, your real value. And, um, so, so I actually learned this actually in a weird way, which was, it was one of the drug companies were telling me about their new needles, which were silicon coated. And I remember listening to this presentation going, I really want silicon coated needles. That sounds great. They'll slide in and out. It'll hurt less. My patients will be more comfortable. And I was about to switch filler brands for this one reason. And, then I had a look at the company I was already using and they were using the same needles, but they'd never told me they were silicon coated. So I'd never appreciated it. And I was already getting uh, something that I wanted, that I valued without ever being, without appreciating it. Your clients have got exactly the same situation. They are getting all sorts of things that they probably don't appreciate and maybe will never appreciate until it really matters and then they'll get it. So my tip would be to make yourself less than a commodity is to is to learn to articulate as many of those things as possible. And in that way, you're also raising the bar in the industry because everyone has to raise their game if they see other clinicians looking after their patients in a better way. But what a great thing to compete that way instead of competing on price. If you were in a, a, a um, your normal medical day job setting and someone came in and said, yeah, so I'm going to be needing antibiotics, uh, one mil of antibiotics, please. You wouldn't accept that. You would you would absolutely take them back a notch and then consult them properly. And mm. it's the same. That's the value that you add. They don't tell you. You 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 work together 
to come up with a solution that really fits their real needs. So how can we communicate this in our marketing? Well, the, the first thing is I, you, you've got to resist anything that makes you a commodity. So that means if you just post results with prices, you're implying that it's the price you pay gets you the result you want. Okay. But you're not building you and the process into that. And th this is this is what happens because it's so easy to put that out. And then you can say, oh, okay, I know the ballpark for one mil of that filler. So I'll just look for people who can do it for slightly less. You, you've just got to build in the constant process that you're putting your patients through the little story that of how of how you got to the bottom of what they wanted um of you know your injection techniques in fact even techniques unfortunately can become commoditized i mean if you hashtag russian lips they'll think wherever i see russian lips i'm going to get the same procedure and that's just not how these procedures work no no one does it exactly the same way every time we are all using judgment and we are all you know consulting our patients in different ways so we you you must um build it's basically personal branding which is something you're very interested in. you've got to make it personal and then demonstrate the whole time why why you are are offering this in your own unique way because then because we are but if if anyone doesn't understand that it's only because it hasn't been communicated yet what what does a commodity mean though like what does that mean so anything is a commodity it's something like you know grain copper nickel so these are things that have an innate value it doesn't matter if you dig it out the ground next door or in singapore or it doesn't matter where um so it you, the thing itself is the thing of value there's no service involved no one is buying copper because of the customer service you know like it's you just want a lump of copper and then you'll make what you want out of it so that's that's what a commodity is mm. um and they the only way that you measure a commodity is how cheap can you get it for the amount that you need because it's all the same anyway copper is copper if i can get it for half price i'll have the half price version and anything that's a service is way more complex you you can't you can't have three grams of customer care and seven grams of, of artistry and weigh it all up and get the same thing. We, we're, we're much more complex than that. So unless your patient understands that, you are a commodity. Like if they think you're, you're the holder of a mill and what they want is a mill, um, then you're going to fail. So it's the skills. As we always say, skills, not mills. Um, is what we is what we should be marketing. So what are your skills? How do you convey them to your clients? How do you live up to them? How do you demonstrate that you've got them? How do you build trust? How do you show your integrity? integrity? How do you demonstrate that you're motivated by their needs? Because these are the real valuable things that, change, that actually changes the whole game. You do different treatments. You probably do better treatments um, when you're built, when you, when you're actually communicating this way from, from the start, because it actually doesn't happen. I mean, for for years in the beginning, I did get this question quite a lot, but patients in front of me now have booked to, for my particular skill set. And that's what they talk about in the messages. I mean, that's the inboxes we still get, which is they don't say how much for this procedure. They say, I'd really like to book with you because, you know, maybe they're nervous. They've had a complication and they've seen some of my complications material. Um, maybe it's one of the full phase treatments, but they're buying, they're buying the skill set. And they want, th and that's perfect for me, but it also means I get the right kind of clients back who value what I do instead of having to convince them that I'm valuable in the consultation. They're already sold on that idea because they've already seen what I've been saying for years on social media or, or the website. I think it's important to pick up what you say there about they see what you've been saying for years. This is not a quick fix. Branding yourself isn't going to happen in one killer marketing post. It's, you can see it as over a period of, you know, 
Give yourself six months of posting every day and talking about that val- the extra value that you add and how you're different and 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 what you value as a clinician. Mm. And I think after time, it goes in naturally. And also, people aren't going to suddenly put a comment on your social media saying, oh, wow, you're such the, the queen of lips. Thank you so much. They're going to just, they'll be what I call lurkers. People quietly in the background, just just checking you out every day. And then after a certain point, when they have a birthday or whatever it is, they will then come to you because you fitted their values and their hopes and fears. Mm. And I think it's really, really important to see it as a, this is a process. You're not going to get it right in one, one post. Yeah, absolutely. It does take time. And, but in that process, you will be articulating who you really are to your patients, which is, which is much more fun than trying to articulate your price in seven different ways or come up with packages. Um, you actually transmit your own values and you will attract the people who care about that. And it, it's okay if it's not everyone. Um, I often say this, they always say that, um, there's within any marketplace, about 15 to 20% of people in that market for whatever good or service is looking for some, looking to buy something on price. And we've all been that person. And I, I always remember the first lawnmower we bought in our first house was I, I spent weeks because I was a student, had no money. I spent weeks looking for the cheapest lawnmower I could find. And I eventually found a lawnmower for 30 pounds, brand new. That would that I could buy on the internet, and it took three weeks to arrive, and it was the worst lawnmower that I've ever. <laughs> you might as well have used a pair of scissors, but I got what I asked for, which is the cheapest lawnmower I could buy. So I don't judge people who want to be cheap, but you get to ask yourself because I am I am one of them in certain circumstances. But you get to be you get to attract whoever you would like for your patient list. So if you if you want the cheapest clients, you can market yourself that way. They they tend to be a little bit trickier because they, obviously your margins are going to be lower. Anything that goes wrong, you might be going backwards and making a loss in your business. You know, I always fear that that forces clin- clinicians or injectors generally to, to cut, sh- to make shortcuts. So they might, you know, water stuff down or, you know, who knows what happens when you're on the back foot and you're fighting for the existence of your business. So it makes a lot more sense to me to aim high. Think about what your patients really want and build your service around the patients who want the best, you know, and it, the best doesn't need to be a glamorous clinic. It can just be someone who really cares about them, who, uh, you know, you can see they know about the anatomy. You can see they can handle complications. All of that stuff is the best for some people. Um, it doesn't have to be glamorous. So don't, don't think you have to, it has to always be glitzy, although that's great as well. Um, you get to decide how you present yourself and therefore what your value is, because the more, the better you are doing that, the less it becomes about the mill. Should we, are you saying that we shouldn't display our prices at all? Um, so a lot of places don't display prices. I don't like that no. because for me, it's it, it's the final thing I want to know. I might've made my decision, but it represents uncertainty. And I have, as a consumer, my reflection on this is when I have to ask the price of something, I don't tend to buy it as often as when I just know what the price is. And I've decided because it's the, it is the last hurdle. I don't want to end up having a consultation for something I can't afford. So um, you, it's it's worth being transparent about your prices, but your messaging is not your prices. Not front and centre. <clears throat> yeah. So asking a clinician how much for a mill is a little bit like asking an artist how much for a pot of paint or an architect how much for some bricks 
or a hairdresser, how much for 50 snips, or maybe I can just buy your scissors. There's a so much more that goes into a good aesthetic treatment. It's the psychologist in you, the anatomist, the artist, you know, the injector, the, the tech, the someone who studies techniques, who then can manage complications at, you know, day or night, you'll respond to your clients. There is so much more value that you're adding. And your goal as a, as a good clinician is to, is to share this message so that people choose you according to your real value and aren't seeing you simply as a commodity, which is what the question, how much for a meal often hints at. So I'm really interested because you're extremely experienced in this and you've reflected on it and done training on it um, over the years for Skin Viva. And um, I'd like to know what, what sort of things have you learned over the years when someone asks how much in a Facebook message or a phone call, um, what is it that you do next? Okay, so it's super important to take control of that conversation because at the moment you are on the back foot and it can be quite affronting when someone says how much and you, you're thinking to yourself, well, oh, they're just shopping around. But by taking back control as the professional that you are, what you achieve is that you guide them on the path you know they need to go on to make the right decision for them. So when they ask you how much for a mill of lip filler, what the, the response that I found works really, really well over the years is to say, super happy to get into the prizes in a sec. Is it okay if I just ask you a couple of questions just to make sure you're eligible? And at that point, they'll be a bit intrigued and they'll say, yeah, like that. And at that point, you need to say an open-ended question like, so how long have you been thinking about having treatment? And what's beautiful about that is that I know myself, I like talking about my experience. So if you asked me that question, I would go off on one with all of the backstory. It's a bit like taking a history. I would say, well, you know, my friend had it, but she had a bad result, or I'm really, really worried about X, Y, and Z. And in that is a complete goldmine because when they show, when they show their hand and they say what they are being worrying about, they've been hoping for. You can see what their true needs are. And this is what separates you from the people who do are just vending machines and do just give out a mill of filler here, you know, and there. You are actually then able to speak back to those hopes and fears and say, well, I'm so happy that you said that you, for example, love the Russian, Russian lip technique because I pride myself on being ace at the Russian lip technique or something like, I'm so, you sound like so discerning. I love the way that you've done your research because too many people out there aren't doing that. So you're kind of, you're, you're building them up and you're saying, actually, it, you seem to fit perfectly with me because I'm all about educating my patients, whatever it might be. Obviously be truthful, but make sure that you actually explain something that will tick that about you that will tick their boxes because everyone's different. For example, when I get my hair cut, I'm very, very, very motivated by speed and just by convenience. You know, I'm not majorly discerning. So if you ask me, well, have I been thinking about it for a while? I'll say, well, and yeah, I'm all over lockdown. I've been really worrying about my hair and I just want to get it done now. And then you could say, I'm so glad you said that because you know what? I've got a slot on Saturday. Are you up? For, you know, and that will, it means that you can speak back to them and bespoke your response to them. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really great summary. And what, what I would just pull, pull from that is essentially something that only healthcare practitioners can do in a specific way, which is you are actually there to resolve the pain in their life. Like you're there to help them over a particular issue and to help them live a, a fuller and happier life afterwards. That's kind of what healthcare practitioners are compelled to do. And so this, the set of questions you've suggested effectively try and pull from them the conflict that they're actually having. 
And then, you know, when I say conflict, it's, you know, I don't like smiling because my top lip's too small or, uh, you know, I just want to feel more beautiful because I'm single and I want to go dating. It doesn't really matter what the conflict is. If you get that out of them and then explain how you can perfectly remove that conflict with them in a way that sounds exactly right for them because you know a bit about them, you're going to have a Firstly, it doesn't really matter how much by the end of that conversation because you're so perfect for what they're looking for. Obviously, people have affordability, but a £10 difference doesn't matter when someone has built the the, the first part of the advice they give you around you specifically. Mm. Like it's not just, you're not just another punter with, with £99 to spend. You're a person with problems with, that, with an issue or, or it doesn't even, I would say problems like it's, it doesn't, you don't have to have loads of insecurity. It can simply be, I want to feel more beautiful. Mm. And, and when someone understands you on that level and, the, and they've really got to the heart of why you're calling, then it does actually decrease the, the, how much it matters what the price is because you, you sound so good to them and you, they believe you can solve their problem. So perfect set of questions. And I, I love the way you kind of get behind the, the initial question into the real reason that they're phoning. And it takes bravery to not just say your prices, but I promise you that the payoff is so great because actually, even though you will kind of slightly confuse them when you say, you know, I'll get to that in a bit, but can I ask you a question first? They will kind of go, mm, yeah. Even if they say, well, I, I haven't got long or something mm. like that, go through the pain and the bravery it takes to get to that point. Because honestly, you'll get a bezzy by the end of the call because mm. they'll, they'll say, they say things, this is my experience, they say things to you like, God, uh, I really feel like you've actually listened to me. Or they'll say things like, God, you know, this has been a way better experience than what I had with, you know, Billy Bob down the road or whatever. And it gets to the point where you can really kind of peacock and show them your skills to the point where actually sometimes they'll feel like they could pay you just for the phone call because you've given them so mm. much information. Well, well, that's the thing is, this is why people like talking about themselves is because when they are talking about themselves, they are actually trying to make sense of their predicament. They're actually trying to resolve why why they are here. It's one of the reasons people like speaking is because you're actually thinking while you speak for, for most people. Um, so that's if you have these long phone calls, you're actually already serving them. And the longer you're serving them and helping them make the decision, the less it matters whether you're five pounds more than someone down the road. Mm. And don't worry if they still don't book with you. Don't think of that as a defeat. Although there are some things you can do, I'm sure, for another show to actually kind of get them over the line to have a free consultation with you. But the point is, if they then go off and say, well, thanks for the info, you have built your reputation. If you've spoken to them for 20 minutes, that's they're going to think of you so well. And even if they don't book there and then, they might be ready in three months' time or they might refer you to a friend or they just generally think of your brand better. Mm. So it's all, it's the same as great marketing posts to educate clients. It's all putting putting pennies into the piggy bank of your reputation. Mm. And they do sometimes come back years later. I remember um, early on, I did a consultation, you know, when every client was just amazing. I had yeah. these clients and then, you know, they, she didn't book in for something. And then she came back nearly three years later. I remember that. Yeah. And and it was she, she'd obviously remembered how I'd spoken to her. She'd had a couple of other consultations and she still came back to me, having never had treatment anywhere else. And, you know, you never know what's coming back. Um, further on from that, it's also that the, the referrals matter. So you can help someone and actually tell them treatment's not for you and you lose out. They've booked in, they've had a consultation, you've charged them nothing, you've given them free advice and they leave. And then a year later, their mom comes yeah. in and you know she spends thousands and you solve the problem. So you can always do the right thing. The right thing is always the right thing. Um, help them make the decision. And then of course, the whole price thing doesn't matter so much.
So the first thing that needs to be done for you to get away from this particular question and to really feel confident in digging deeper behind why your clients call is to understand your own value. So we've created a little proforma that you can download just to make you more conscious of the value that you are able to bring to your clients so that you can then start to piece that into your telephone consultations before you see patients. And your marketing as well. You can get more conscious and actually put it into your posts. Yeah. So click on the link below this video and download that today. If you've enjoyed this show, please do drop us a comment. We absolutely love replying to the comments and subscribe as well and hit the bell to get a reminders of next time we upload. And please do subscribe because we are just a few hundred away from the 5,000 mark. We're all very excited, especially Shutty in the background. <laughs> he can't wait and me. to show his mum we've got 5,000 <laughs> subscribers. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Bye. See you next week.